This week on Inside Motorsport, we hear from the medical delegate of V8 Supercars, Dr. Carl Lee. I hope you'll stay with us. The medical delegate role at V8 Supercars is a multifaceted one. Dr. Carl Lee is the delegate, and I asked him with particularly all the different uh, sporting codes and what's going in AFL at the moment with the drug inquiries that players have been subjected to. If a driver has any substances he has to take, is one of his roles advising them on what they can and cannot take that might be outside of the WADA and ASADA doping laws? Um, we really follow the lead of um, what's um, published and released by CAMS. Um, certainly there's um, great knowledge um, that that's gets sent out by the FIA and then via CAMS um, about anti-doping controls. And usually at the start of the year there, there are printed documents that get distributed out. Um, but it's not uncommon for drivers to just contact me directly to ask whether it's safe to take a particular medication. Um, common things such as um, anti-asthma medications may need um, special forms to be filled out which are called therapeutic use extension forms. Um, some cough, anti-cough or runny nose medicines could have pseudoephedrine in it which can be dangerous so they're actually careful of uh, which over-the-counter medications to buy as well. Um, but in general, um, you know, th these aren't, th this is, it's not a common thing for me to, to find a medication that the drivers aren't aware of. How have you, you said the role started in 2008, how have you found the development of the role and the acceptance of having someone inside the organisation now as a point of contact? Well, I guess, um, yeah, I think a, a reflection of the success of the role, I guess, is that um, I, I treat everyone from uh, any mechanics through to the drivers or team owners, team managers, um, and I tr try and treat everyone equally and give them all the time I can give them. Um, so, you know, it's uh, interesting because um, I'm not only seeing people here for um, acute health issues, a lot of people turn to me for their chronic health issues as well, which is something I have to monitor all the time because I'm, I'm not, I, I can't become their general practitioner, um, but it's, I guess it's a reflection of the the ease of which they, they find that they can approach me. So they do come and see me all the time for rashes and lumps and bumps and things as well. Uh, as well as some, some, you know, some stressful times where uh, I need to assist them in that as well. I guess when you took on the role, you probably didn't understand the scope of works. And you're constantly going, where do I draw the line? And how far can I go in any direction with uh, questions and queries? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, certainly there wasn't a position description as such when I took on the role. Um, and uh, I guess when I took on the role, it was really with an open mind as to where the limit, limits should be. Um, but it's, it's obvious to me, um, I guess, when, when, um, when, there's, when it's black and white, when someone needs help. Um, but I do try and stay a bit removed from um, particularly the drivers, uh, uh, even though I would say that I'm close with most of the drivers, I sort of abstain from forming a direct friendship as such because I know that my role has an important place and so I need to maintain that professional distance as well. One group that you do have seemed to have a bond with is the, the maniacs that go out there taking photos around the track and I guess like the drivers have to be fit and healthy, a lot of the photographers are certainly on different type of health kicks and <coughs> Of course, in some respects, they're looking at you because you've been going through 
quite a, a, a strenuous, it seems, physical campaign where you'll run from Hidden Valley to the hotel just to uh, get a bit of exercise in. Yeah, look, um, you know, it was, it was interesting to me to find out that most of the photographers do have a, a fitness background. They've all uh, participated in, in sport. Uh, one of the guys, obviously, uh, was an AFL footballer, uh, and one of them is now a, a very keen pro cyclist as well. And certainly from this year, I, I started um, to up my fitness regime as well. And yes, I've run every single track that uh, we've gone to this year uh, with the aim of being able to run up and down a mountain panorama when we get there in October. Uh, I've been preparing for that by doing things like running up uh, Castle Hill in Townsville and um, Arthur's Seat in Victoria. Um, so I'm pretty confident that I'll be able to achieve that. I ran here at Queensland Raceway, did a couple of laps the other night. Um, so it's really enjoyable and, and the cycling side of things are, are quite enjoyable too. And, and most of the drivers are obviously fitness fanatics. It's, it's interesting going onto Strava. Uh, it's like the social media of fitness and, and seeing all the athletes there and seeing how you, I guess, compare up to them. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of an interesting subculture. There's even a V8 supercar cycling group uh, that's based in Melbourne uh, that, that have regular rides as well. I guess when we talk about role models in the sport, uh, providing um, guidance to people and fans, these sort of initiatives are ones where it's a good healthy lifestyle outcome to promote. Yes, well that's right. The, obviously the best way is to lead by example. Um, uh, I'm, uh, I recently learned that um, in social media one of the new things that people are doing are moving on from taking your sh photos of yourself which were called selfies. The latest trend apparently is healthies which is where you you know you, you, you update your status to say what, what you've achieved in terms of fitness and such. Um, but you know I think and, and I, I'm certainly guilty if that's the right word of doing so um, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad when people do come up to me and it comes and it happens regularly at events when people come up to me to say that it's been motivating them to get out and just start exercising and looking after themselves as well which is which is great which is the, what, what I'd like to happen so that's great yeah I'd, I'd love to see eventually I guess a group of people joining me on the racetrack runs usually occurs on a Friday evening once the events uh, finish for the day uh, but hopefully over the next few months we'll see more people joining me out on the track there. Via Runners Club. Yeah exactly that'd be great. How do you have a career path and sit down and go, I'm going to go to medical school for five, six years so I can work in Viet Supercars? How do you transition across from a medical practitioner to now medical practitioner or medical delegate? Sure. I guess, again, there's no defined um, career pathway to, to get to that end. Uh, my personal uh, journey was basically I was... Uh, when I was in training, I was working at the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne where um, a lot of the doctors that serviced Formula One come, came from. And back in 1997, I just simply got asked to go to Formula One as a volunteer doctor. So I did that and then um, got asked to go down to Phillip Island to go to the international bike events, like the MotoGP and the World Superbikes. So I continued to do that. And, and a lot of the work um, is volunteer work. Um, you don't get directly remunerated by it, but certainly the the experience and the knowledge and, and stories that you get from going to volunteering at events is is significant. And uh, just over the years, I guess, um, you know, by 2003, I became the what's called the chief medical officer or the chief doctor for the, the Phillip Island events, um, which included the V8 supercars. And then by 2007, I guess, um, what, what I what was what I was seen to be doing in terms of um, not only providing a medical service but also uh, my effect on the infrastructure. I had a lot to do with um, upgrading 
the permanent facilities, the medical centre down at Phillip Island Racetrack, uh, formulated um, and grew up my own uh, medical team with a bunch of other people um, to provide medical services to motorsport. It's a volunteer association. Um, and I guess with, with all of that work, um, I became more well known, which led me to then both in the same time, at the end of 2007, I was appointed um, as the inaugural medical delegate for the Vets Supercar Series, but also as the inaugural chief medical officer for the first um, Singapore Formula One Grand Prix. So a lot of it, I guess, is like the old adage about um, follow your heart and the money will follow as such. So I, I now do get paid for my work and time here at the Vets Supercars, but certainly going into it, it wasn't as, uh, for a career as such. It was more for the passion of um, both motorsport and fast things. <laughs> so what do you do to keep your hand in on the practitioner side? Sure. Yeah, so my daily life still revolves around working in an emergency department in Melbourne. I'm fortunate enough to be a partner in a, in a private emergency department at Knox Private Hospital, which is in one of the eastern suburbs in, in Victoria. Um, it's a nice busy, busy department there and I do all my clinical work. What I'm able to do, I guess, is to put all my shifts together, so I might do six or seven shifts in a row to be able to get the four or five days off to then go to a motorsport event. Sounds like a busy life, but if you're having fun, it, it's not painful at all, is it? That's exactly right. I, I don't. Yeah, I'm considering myself very lucky, uh, very fortunate to have the role that I that I uh, provide, and um, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a very enjoyable uh, work, I guess. Well, Dr. Carly, thanks very much for your time joining us here on the Bird Insights. No worries, Craig. Thanks very much. That's all we have time for on Inside Motorsport this week. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.